I have to be delusional enough to think people are going to listen to this. It's thunderstorming outside. There's lightning. Hit me with it. Come on. How smart can you be when you have huge mantids? Okay, he, him. Go put your pronouns and go sit in the corner. I'll take care of this. It's just common sense. Hey there, Bobcat. How you doing? Hey, Commoner. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on today. I'm super stoked. And we're reporting from yet another car today, are we, Bobcat? Indeed. I, uh, I'm i kind of in transit here, so I'm sitting <laughs> in a very nice, pristine parking lot with a nice view of the sunshine talking with you. <laughs> Can't beat that. Can't beat that. You're one of several people who have uh, recorded from inside a car, and I just find it very amusing. We do these I things a little bit differently. It. I, I do, really too. Like it. I had the choice of recording from my home in a nice living room area. And I said, no, I want the confines of my car. So that's what I did. I, I don't know. I've developed a thing where I do a lot of work in the car. Mm. Uh, it, I don't know. Weird, weird, weirdo stuff, but uh, it's comfortable in here. It's a small little environment. And there are a lot of windows. <laughs> it's funny that you say that because when I was out running grocery or running errands with my boyfriend and we always listen to a podcast in the car. And there was this moment a few weeks ago where I was like, you know, someone probably listened to my podcast running errands in their car or on the way to work. And it was just this like crazy moment of like people are doing exactly what we're doing, listening to Kill Tony or to Joe Rogan with sure. one of our conversations. So that was just a super fun moment for me. Um, hey, speaking of that, I just briefly want to congratulate you on everything that you're doing. I think it's fantastic. You really grab the reins of the podcast scene and uh, taking command of that in the jungle. It's very important, and I like how you're doing it in a very broad manner. You're um, you have lots of great guests, but I lost. I really enjoyed Josh Lysak the other day, mm -hmm. and uh, so it's it's great to be on here. I appreciate what you're doing. Well, that thank you so much for saying that. I really appreciate that. And of everything that I have done in the jungle space and just a side hustle in general, the podcast has been my absolute favorite thing. I have learned so much, and there is so much that you learn from a hour and a half, two hour conversation that you just cannot get in any other way. So I'm really glad podcasting is so popular. Um, it's one of my favorite things to do. I listen to them all the time. So I'm glad that you enjoy it. And to, for everyone that's listening, thank you so much for listening. Um, and so with that, let's get into you, Mr. Bobcat. So you're a lawyer. I love lawyers. I've had so many lawyers on, but you're also in the politics space. So can you explain how you went from being a normal lawyer, I don't know exactly what law you were practicing, and then you started your career in politics? Sure. So currently, I am uh, very, uh, thankfully, not a practicing attorney. <laughs> I started out as one. I, got, I went to law school pretty young, graduated to, you know, in kind of my late 20s from law school. I practiced law for a short bit of time, and then I was basically pulled for lack of a better word, by gravity, it felt like into the uh, Donald J. Trump campaign in 2015-ish. I was one of the first 80 people actually on his campaign. I worked for him throughout the entire primary. And then I ended up working for the RNC because um, the Trump campaign got folded into the RNC after, you know, he ended mm -hmm. up winning the primary. And I did a short uh, stint really working for the Trump campaign we can get into it, but I got fired by the uh, the RNC. Mm. I later went back and practiced law for a little bit, and now I don't practice law either. 
And uh, we'll talk more about it later. But my new like politics basically is crypto, because that's what's really going to um, win us society back and bring a bright future. So politics to me, to a large degree, you know, very idiosyncratically for me is a, a fool's errand. It's not a good waste. It's not a good use of my time, but I'm very proud of what I did. And uh, I, I know a lot about it. And that's kind of what happened. So I started on the Trump campaign. Basically, I got a phone call from a friend one day. I was working this contract attorney job. It's actually a guy I went to high school with. We were kind of acquaintances, but not really friends too much. A very nice guy. And he said, hey, look, I'm working on the Trump campaign. Would you like to join us? And I took about literally about 20 seconds and said, Absolutely. And then I quit that job and just immediately started working for Trump. Now, as a background to all this of what, what, hey, why could you just jump onto something so fast? You know, what's up with that? Well, a bunch of stuff had been percolating and brewing inside me for quite some time. You might call it red pilling, right? So Mm -hmm. in my 20s, basically, I got red pilled, not even really consciously, but in law school, going to a very liberal law school. And over time, I realized that I wasn't like all those people. And then I had been listening to Alex Jones during this time. I started reading a lot of Mike Cernovich. This is when Cernovich had like 10,000 followers on Twitter. Crazy. And Andrew Tate had like 10,000 followers on Twitter at this time. And so I started really getting into it. And I was very passionate about it because I just, you know, taken the oath, sworn to uphold the Constitution. And I take that very seriously. Freedom and individual liberty is paramount to me. And so all the energy that I like was within this one campaign. And I'm somebody who can just grip it and rip it at times. And I said, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just do it. And I did it. And we beat Hillary. <laughs> and I have a story for the ages because it was a it was a great time. What was the energy like in 2016 working on that campaign? Was everyone like you really invested in the cause? Yeah, well, there's a lot of like, man, you're crazy. Yeah. Right? Like, you're an idiot. What are you doing? This is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. You can't possibly believe this. All these sort of thoughts, right? But when you have an idea and you know that it, when you're really on to something, you're on to something, you know it, you can smell it and you can taste it. And I could smell and taste it. And it was just there. The energy was extremely passionate um, from the beginning. Now, I saw, well, the first time I ever saw and met Trump was at a very small high school in the Pacific Northwest. And it was just in a gymnasium and it was a tiny little event. But even at that moment, his command of the crowd, people's reaction to him, it was sort of like, I don't know, I can't think of a good analogy, but like there was just this new person that was able to speak to the common person and people were super excited. And then on the other hand, you have to understand the campaign, if people can remember back, there were 16 primary candidates going up against mm-hmm. Donald Trump. Everyone will remember the primary, you know, not as in the primary in general, but the main candidate against Trump really was uh, Ted Cruz. But early on is Jeb Bush. You had Carly Fiorina. You had Mike Huckabee. There were 16 people. I'm not going to name every single one of them. But a lot of people had allegiance to, you know, a various number of these 16 people. And for me, I just thought they were all garbage. Because they're just all politicians. Now, Trump is too, and I have a lot of, I'm sure we'll talk about it later. I have a lot of uh, problems a little bit with Trump in the way he executed things and did things. But he, what we did and what he was shooting for was the right thing to do. 
So, yeah, there was a lot of slack from people, particularly within the traditional GOP. And that kind of goes in to how I eventually got fired and everything. But they, they don't like Trump and they didn't like Trump. And they certainly didn't like people like me who can just all of a sudden show up from an, out of the blue and, hey, I'm in politics now. They don't want that. They want to, uh, it's not a popular term these days, but they didn't want, they want to groom everybody and bring mm. them up through their process and teach them how to think. They don't want people to think for themselves. God forbid, right? When that guy's knocking on the door talking to a voter, he might have something interesting and original to say that didn't come out of our little handbook that we all came up with together. So that's kind of how it is. It's if you really are going against the system, it's they're not very happy with you. So were you drawn to it specifically because of Trump, the man or Trump, the candidate? Or were you drawn to no, it? It was more it the was energy burning down everything. It was more. No, it's not really about burning down. It was more about the energy of the people that also liked Trump. Mm. So basically, I, there was like a bow tie jungle on Twitter, but it was like the Trump people from early on. Now, I, I don't want to overinflate things I did, but for example, there was uh, I worked a lot with Cernovich and Posobiec and people related to that on the Internet. Some people that may have even had uh, court cases recently that are getting a lot of time in prison. There was a bunch of people that were all bound together and, and really working toward a cause. And the thing that really was the best was the meme war. Now, a lot of people won't get that, but this all started with memes, you know, mm-hmm. it all started with memes. One of the very original videos that really got my attention and the guy's handle on Twitter is Comrade Stump or excuse me, it's Gran Torino, I think. But um, uh, there were videos called You Can't Stump the Trump. I don't know if you've ever seen these videos, but these mm-hmm. are like the, the original Trump meme videos. And I, if I don't if I remember correctly, it's You Can't Stump the Trump Volume 4. I bet you can still find it on YouTube. And anyway, we were all just having a blast making memes. Pepe was big you know, uh, all of this stuff. And it was more of having fun at the expense of the establishment and trashing them and just trolling them and having a great time and getting all the reactions from everybody like, oh, no, you shouldn't do this really told us that we should do it even more. And so that was what the fun was. And yes, Trump was a part of it. And he he's Trump and he was the president. But really, everyone else got him elected. He wouldn't have had a chance without any of us doing all that on his behalf. If he didn't have that groundswell of energy from the internet, no way it would have ever worked. And that that was really the excitement of it. Trump was an agent of, of the mm. change that wanted to happen. It's not that we, at least I'm speaking for myself, you know, Trump's Trump and he does a lot of things that people like and he does a lot of things that people don't like. But overall, he was the right person to be doing that. Um, and yes, there was a, a degree of like blowing up the system, but it wasn't I, I wasn't like channeling the energy of some Antifa scumbag from, uh, you know, Seattle, Washington. It's more like I want to get rid of I want to clean out the cupboards. I want to get rid of the crap out of the house. Mm. I want that guy to leave the party. He's not good here. Those guests that came into the house an hour ago, they're awful. They're making the party bad. Get them the hell out of here. It was more of that kind of an energy versus let's burn the whole house down. I don't like this party. It's just let's get these people out of this party. I don't like them. And so that's sort of what the energy felt like. And did you guys think he was going to win? Because obviously the mainstream media was completely shocked. But did you guys have confidence that he was going to win? Did you have data that looked different than what CNN was showing? Were you guys shocked at all? We... I, 
the whole time I kind of was going along, even th- like if we lost, we lost, but I, we're just going to put everything out there and do our best. The night of the election, I'm sober now, but the night of the election, I was drunk and I, I woke up like a few hours afterward and Trump had won. Mm-hmm. And I just woke up with a smile on my face and I was just kind of laughing. And then I got on the internet and I was looking and everyone was like melting down. And I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> so to answer your question through that example, perhaps I was a little skeptical that we would win. And therefore I wasn't totally sober and waiting for everything to come down. But I did the entire time really feel like we were onto something because my job on in the campaign, I did a lot of stuff in the internet and that was more pro bono, if you want to call it that. But actually lurking for the the machine, I helped coordinate all the GOTV stuff, which is get out the vote, get people mm. to doors, knocking on doors, registering voters. So I would personally knock doors and I basically helped other people and scheduled volunteers. And then I had people underneath me working. But when I would go up to a door, I can't tell you how many different times people would come out and be like freaking out that you're with Trump. And they were like, oh, we love Trump. And they always have to tell you a story, which is awesome, about, oh, I first heard him on here. Or, oh, you know, my so-and-so used to work for at the concession stand in Trump Tower. Or I this and that. And we love Trump. And so I would go around and I really wouldn't get a lot of, you know what, man, you should be ashamed of yourself. I'm voting for Ted Cruz. How Mm. dare you? I wasn't hearing that. Okay. Now, this ties in with how I got fired. So. I won't exactly reveal all the places, but it was in the Northeast. I got assigned to a battleground state in the Northeast um, uh, as a field organizer in a county, right? So I kind of ran everything in the whole county. And you know how it is when you have the local uh, offices, people come and get yard signs, they get bumper Mm -hmm. stickers, all that. So there's tons of Trump gear and the the local um, GOP, Republican National Committee, was not putting out the Trump stuff. So I would bring in boxes full of things and I'd go in and it wouldn't be in there. And voters would say, oh, there's no um, stuff here. We want a yard sign. Where is it? Right. So I'm going, what the fuck's going on here? What is the deal? What are they doing with everything? Well, come to find out they're taking all the stuff and like putting it down in the basement. They didn't want it out. Mm. Right. So whether this was the guy at the top of the pile who didn't like Trump only or it was all of them, it doesn't matter. What I did is I went down into that basement and I took all that stuff out of there and I went into every room in that building and I hung stuff up. I went into the guy's office and put stuff all over his office (laughs) just because I was mad, right? And I was like, fuck you, you know? So that's what happened. And then I got a call later. They didn't tell me why I got fired, but I know that's why. And I wasn't going to put up with that kind of shit. And that's not how it works at all. And these people don't have a clue. And I don't know what that guy's doing today, but he was obviously wrong. so there was that energy, right? There was the, no, you, how dare you court sort of thing. How dare you even do this? And we won, but there was a ton of, ton of pushback. I think to this day, my favorite video on YouTube is the compilation of every news organization saying Trump doesn't have a chance. And then it just goes through every state that he won with that really happy classical song next to it and like all the yep. sobbing and the crying. I I think it got taken down because it got 20 million views or something, but I would watch that like when I was sad or having a bad day and I would put that video on and it would make me feel better. But um, I just, 
It's really fascinating to me because at 2016, I was agnostic towards politics. I had no dog in the fight. I just thought it was a spectacle. And then in 2020, I was so invested because yeah. I had just been locked. I was in locked in my house for six months. I thought it was super important. And then now I am again agnostic about it because mm. no matter what I do, my life is not going to be changed by who is in office. Maybe a couple of percentage points on my taxes. The local politics makes a bigger difference with how safe your county 100%. is. But like, it doesn't make a difference on my life. I'm going to lose 50% of my money to taxes, period. End of story. Okay, knowing that, what's the next best action for me? Is it caring about who I'm voting for? Is it going door to door anymore? So I wonder what your opinion is on that because young people tend to not be as invested in politics except Gen Z seemingly came out in a huge droves in 2022, the midterm elections. So do you think young people should care about politics or should they be caring more about making money? I think they should care about both. And the thing is, this was a nice uh, uh, train of uh, thought that'll come out of this, your line of questioning. So the really for me, this election, why I don't focus on politics, number one is for my mental health. Uh, mm -hmm. Like that's just too much. The people that can do it every day are a different breed of human. Like you, you need to take some time out of that. Um, for me, focusing on politics, I am by focusing on on cryptocurrency and, and being in this environment, blockchain technology and Web3. My theory for the upcoming election about the voter that's the most important is basically, uh, the. I'm sure you're familiar with the podcast, is I call it the bankless voter. Mm -hmm. So uh, Sean Ryan Adams and, and David Hoffman. And that is the voter, the marginal voter that will be picked off, that will um, uh, keep it away from someone like Joe Biden. Because cryptocurrency is extremely important, and these politicians have no idea how much it really does matter, or maybe they do to people. But these people they think don't care about anything really do. All of a sudden, when you've got people calling us uh, tax cheats, tax evaders, they're coming after the industry. People put a lot of hard work, time, and money into this. And so when they have the choice of being called, uh, you know, oh, we're going to call you a racist and take away all your stuff, or you can vote for someone else and keep the industry going they're going to do the latter um so for me politics you have to beat the system in a different way you can't go through it in the main channels and that's why we were successful with trump because we didn't do the main channels or anything we created new stuff on the internet and it was a whole brand new thing they were they didn't know how to handle it um but on a more narrow basis about your question i think focusing on yourself and money is the most important thing you can do I think what you need to do almost is you need to know what's going on, but you really just need to know like the periphery of everything. And if something's important, then you can get to the details. But if you spend all day listening to a million different podcasts about politics, that is going to eat at your soul. And it mm -hmm. didn't mind for sure. It's too dark. All of it. And all, all the topics that are, that come up, you know, with child predatory stuff and, mm -hmm. All, all these things, it's very hard to listen to all of it. So I think on a mental health level, not listen to it as much as good. But they also, that if you want to call them that, the enemy relies upon that. And you can't just 
go hide under a rock and think that everything is going to be okay. So you have to do both. But I think the more important thing is to focus on yourself. And as you said, it's at about the local level where everything's really important. Who's on your school board, right? Mm -hmm. Have you been into your second grade son's class before and volunteered? You know, what are the other moms like? What do they think? Mm-hmm. What do they think about what the school is doing with this policy? Hey, what's the mayor saying about this? All those things, those are what are really important. All that stuff adds up on the grand scale. And we do live in a constitutional republic and the states do matter. So. I completely agree with the point that getting invested in politics day in and day out weighs on your soul and it makes you so you have such a bleak impression of the world because it's just scandal and lies and deceit and theft and bribery all day long. So mm-hmm. I completely agree with that. I am very interested in the ideas. So like reading the Federalist Papers and why the government was designed that the way that it was originally. And if you want to make changes, perhaps we should understand why it was created the way exactly. that it was first. So I like talking about the ideas and what is just and who should raise taxes and all those types of questions. But I still struggle with it's so hard to get a clear and straight understanding of what is happening from anywhere. Like you have to put a lot of time in to understand what's happening. I mean, in the past three days, the Russian coup, I just saw mentioned on Twitter, like there's how would I get a real understanding of what's actually going on from anywhere? Exactly. That's why where I'm just like, whatever, I'm just going to let it unfold. So over time, I used to consume. Okay, so during the heart of the campaign, I was basically had stuff on all the time. Alex Jones was constantly on all day. I love Alex Jones is my favorite, but I can't listen to Alex all the time. It's interesting. He even makes that point. He said, I saw him recently on a podcast and he said, you know, we kind of have a thing where we either have just hardcore people or people that tune in and they get red pilled and then they tune out and then they come back every now and then for a checkup. And to Mm -hmm. me, that's kind of like what Alex is. But yeah, you can't listen to stuff on repeat. Who I do listen to every day, since you just had Josh on, is I I listen to Scott Adams every day. And I'll Mm. tell you why. I think it's the best breakdown you could have. Scott's very smart. And Scott is probably the closest thing that I have today to like a law school professor doing the Socratic method. Just truly. So people can say things about all different kinds of who's the best and this. But Scott Adams is really fucking smart and he knows what he's talking about. And he says things a lot of times that I don't think of or I don't agree with viscerally or intuitively. And then I sit there and I'm like, oh, that's a really good point. That's what I like to listen to. So at least I know if I'm going to listen to Scott Adams in the morning, I'm getting a little bit of a brief of things. I used to listen to Tim Pool every night. Can't do it. Can't yeah. do it. Can't do it. Yeah. Too much. Uh, I don't know why that show just started to grind my gears a little bit. Can't watch that show. You know, I don't want you can name a bunch of stuff and I don't watch it. And even on Twitter, I hope people use Twitter lists uh, to their advantage. I essentially, I really have no political people on my timeline. If I see certain things I don't like, I'll mute or block the account. I just don't even want to see it because the, for me, I want to keep my, um, I know it's all there. I'm not ignoring it, but I'm not going to beat myself over the head with it. And if I can channel positivity and the information that really matters, It'll help help me make good decisions instead of being bogged down by a bunch of bullshit. So um, I listen to a show like Scott Adams. Um, There are lots of other stuff you can listen to. And then I'll follow Cernovich always. 
but even sometimes Mike, I won't want to look on that page because, you know, he's getting into it about some things and he should, and I'm glad he is. But for that minute in time, that's not what I want. It's not that I'm against what he's doing or I'm trying to ignore it, but I can't, you know, I can't do that all the time. Um, and I, I'm, I try to put a lot of energy into the, and we'll get into it, but into the jungle and like helping people and working on things. And so that's more of what I'm trying to be involved in versus the political stuff. And I did so much red pilling back in the day on the internet to strangers, but in IRL to people I know, all, all kinds of stuff. So I don't feel like, um, I don't think I have the privilege of not doing things because I did something in 2016. It's not that, but it's just that I've done, I did that, you know, I, yeah. I did all that stuff and people call me crazy. And more than that, you know what it's like to work for Trump. People actually have a lot of things to say about you. And crazy is really a mild term. They said <laughs> a, lot, a lot of other stuff. So that would be my answer on that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely relate to a lot of the things that you're saying. You have so, especially when you're working, like if you're an attorney, you're very much aware. Like if you're working significant number of hours, you have limited free time. It's difficult to invest and get educated on every single issue that is pertinent in the moment. So if you have shows that you can rely on and listen to in the morning to get some understanding of where the world is, it's so helpful. I haven't been listening to Scott Adams in a while, but I used to as well. Um, yeah, and I, I just am not as into it as I used to be. I don't know. I just, I think I just am disillusioned to it. I thought... And I think what really st I struggled with was in 2020 and 2022, the the voting and the mail-in ballots and the ballot harvesting, it doesn't feel like it's a fair game for whatever reason, whatever you believe that what happened. And maybe you have a position on that. I don't know if you do. I just don't feel like it's a fair game. Something. Oh, the whole thing's a, the whole thing. Yeah. Is a so giant, it's hard uh, for me broad. to care. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, you're actually, the thing is, is you have to broaden it and not think of everything as, you know, quote, politics. But I don't even know what the right word is. But what you're doing in your capacity on your show, you talk about a variety of topics, but a big thrust of things is like freedom. And, you mm -hmm. know, you do talk about all this. So you're actually doing a lot, right? Like yeah. what we're doing right now is contributing to it. It doesn't have to be, everyone doesn't need to talk about Matt Walsh and pedophiles and groomers, okay? That's mm -hmm. not all what politics is. It's not just child sex stuff. There's a lot of other things that go into it and everyone has to speak to something. And so there are other things out there, And but you're still involved. And as long as you personally take action and vote and try to tell everyone around you what the right thing is, then that's the best you can do. But yes, it, it is rigged. It's because the enemy is far better prepared and the enemy has way more courage actually than most of the people on the quote good side you really will find out as most of them are total scum there's a very small percentage that actually fight for good so it's more that the people really aren't fighting as hard as they should be that's the truth and then the middle ground people who just kind of sit around and don't do anything and let the world tell them what to do that's hard too, because the, the devil has an easy time uh, tricking those people and, and pitting them against the good people. So it's an uphill battle, but I'm very, very, very optimistic and sorry about all the, uh, the bad verbs there, Josh. Lisa. <laughs> um, that's such a, that point's so good, by the way, in writing, I never do that. And when I'm speaking, I, it's, I can do that a lot sometimes. <laughs>
But uh, what what was I saying, Connor? I got distracted by you my were, bad. You were very, very, very optimistic. Oh, I'm optimistic about this upcoming cycle, specifically because of everything that's taken place over the last few years. And people I definitely know have woken up. And in particular, I don't know how involved you are with crypto and Web3 and all that, but Bitcoin and everything is going to change everything. When you have Robert F. Kennedy Jr. giving the keynote address at the Bitcoin conference, mm-hmm. when you have Ron DeSantis being pro, the only two bums who are anti-crypto are Donald Trump and, and Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. That's it. The Democrats aren't going to keep that position. I hope people know that. That's not going to be their position. It's not, it's not a winning position. So just think of it on a longer time frame. Not happening. You think they're going to do that? Oh, Larry Fink's going to like that. If Joe Biden's coming out shitting all over Bitcoin and all this stuff, mm-hmm. maybe in the short term he would to get lower prices so they can scoop up some for their ETF. But I don't think in the long term they're going to like that. So that that's really where everything happens is to me. Most people don't understand, but things are kind of changing already without the system even having a chance to, to do it. And look at how new media is. Nobody tunes into CNN or any of that bullshit. Mm-hmm. Not at all. The most popular podcast today uh, that came out, other than the wonderful Bowtie Commoner podcast, <laughs> is probably I watched, uh, I don't know if you're familiar, have you seen Patrick Bet David? I he love had, Patrick Bet David. Yeah, so he had Alex Jones on yesterday. It was phenomenal. He had you Andrew Tate last it. week from yeah, Romanian House Arrest. <laughs> yes, the Alex Jones one yesterday was great. So, um, yeah, they, there's a lot going on and people are always trying to distract you with everything that's part of the thing is you just have to learn to let the distractions just sort of fade into the background and really focus on the most important stuff i have two questions um about what you were just describing so the first question is you know you said people you should be talking to people about not necessarily politics but ideas and people around you have started to change their minds you know I have family members, I have friends from college who really, it affected our relationship, my positions, especially on the number one issue, which was COVID and the vaccines. Mm-hmm. So sure. would you recommend reaching out to those people? And like, really, okay. that's, a, that's an would you have a conversation about, you know, the relationship and like, I don't want to talk about this anymore, but I want to be your friend or your family member again. Or do you want to talk to them and say, let's revisit this and let's actually talk about what happened and see if we can come to some sort of better agreement on this topic or is it just not worth even trying i don't so i don't really think it's even worth trying to in a lot of respects if the person's actually you know you can do something then sure yesterday i just had had this conversation so i mentioned earlier i'm in recovery so i know some guys that i went to treatment with like five or six years ago that really good friends of mine but when all this stuff started happening there's and people from law school too I essentially kind of stopped talking to them, not because of them, but because I know that they wouldn't like what I say. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to let the time just go by and then maybe revisit it, revisit it later. And I thought, you know, they're rational people. Uh, perhaps they'll see after the fact who was right and who was wrong. And maybe they'll want to talk about it. No, they don't want to talk about it. And I don't really want to talk about it. Um, so I, I, certain people almost... I just will ignore after COVID mostly really um, look, I'm a poker player too. So if I, I have no problem folding a shitty hand, I don't have problem making decisions quickly on things. So if I know somebody is bad, I don't want to have anything to do with it. 
And mm-hmm. sometimes people can't help it. Maybe they are not the brightest bulb in the shed. Maybe somehow they just can't really see the truth. You don't need to take it personally against them. It's just like it's wasting your time because there are actual humans that you can speak to, that you can impact, who are inquisitive and receptive, who will then learn something from what you say. You'll learn from them. And then they'll take what you said and go tell somebody else. And the classic game of telephone will ensue. And that's how you really get things done. Don't speak to people that aren't going to listen to you. At least speak to somebody that may have an open mind. Otherwise, it's just it's just a waste of time. Yeah, I'm just what I'm thinking about is how you mentioned like. So well, you're I talking about being involved with people and 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 you yes. So I guess it's sort of a new. Actually, go ahead and expand on that, and I'll see if my I can answer it better. No, no, I get what you're saying. It's just I'm just now thinking like I don't really see the value in investing in politics because I don't think I can make a significant impact with my one little vote in a system that I don't think is a fair voting system. So because of that, I'm not reading up on the politics. I'm not reading up on the candidates. What I do think would be valuable is if I changed three people's minds about COVID, about vaccination, about just the system in general. And I have tried, I have like, I have really close friends from college that I don't speak to anymore because politics was such an issue for our generation, especially because we got sent home because of COVID. It impacted all of our social interaction. Like it was a completely unnatural event and it changed and disrupted nearly every one of my relationships. And I really tried. And now I'm thinking, should you go back and try again three years later? And that would be a bigger impact than reading up on the candidates because I just know I'm going to vote red when the time comes and that's good enough because I can't be invested beyond that. But it's so hard. It is so hard to change these people's minds. I What I'm laughing about is I remember distinctly sitting in a Taco Bell at three o'clock in the morning in college trying to tell someone something about like, oh, I don't think biological men should be competing in women's sports and she's sobbing and we're in this taco bell and like yeah yeah yeah. it's just like not helpful and i just don't know what the right thing to do is um so look i i i would say i have the warrior ethos when it comes to like spreading the truth so my natural response is always going to be put the truth out there and shove it down people's throats if you have to but what you're doing actually right now is putting the truth out there with your podcast. You make a huge impact with this. You may not see it and feel it all the time, but you have to just, you know, game it in your head. Like, okay, so I've talked about all these topics with all these people about this number of people have listened, huh? Even if only 1% of the people really took action on what I say, how many people would that be? And then how, you know, who did they talk to and what Mm -hmm. happened after that? So you're actually really spreading the message. This is what we're all supposed to be doing sitting around and debating with people who don't have the intellectual capacity or the, the honesty or the heart and kindness to understand where you're coming from is probably not the best. Um, what a way that I, I did stuff, which is I found hilarious. And I just did it yesterday for the first time in like two years. Whenever I do it, I laugh harder than when I meme on Twitter, I'll go to Instagram on my IRL, all the normies. And I make these elaborate stories. Like I spend a lot of time doing it and I just post articles and just memes but I, I like, I, I hit it really hard, you know, and you know how it is. Like if you go on Twitter and you see memes, you're like, you're used to it. And then if you go to some other platform, it's like total, just, I don't even know what it is. <laughs> so that's what I'll do. And I'll post them 
And I can't tell you, I've had so many people reach out to me and I never even go on Instagram, but I'll let a few weeks go by and then I'll go on there and I get a bunch of messages like, oh yeah, man, thanks for doing that. Cause I'll, I'll, I'll meme, but I'll also put sources in like articles and say, Hey, read this, you know, and I'll really like do an in-depth job of it. I think sometimes that's how you can, can, you can catch people uh, yeah. just doing something on an Instagram story, honestly, because then the person will go, there's not a lot of pressure. You're not saying, Hey, you go, why did you say that? Or confronting someone directly. You're kind of like, Hey, check this out and tell me what you think. And then yeah. sometimes they won't check it out and that's fine. But as we're talking right now, there's a bunch of trucks driving by with fuck Biden flags in the back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I live in a red area, so it's funny that that's happening while we're talking. But yeah, that's what I would advise. I can understand like being in school and all that, having more of that vibe too. Like um, when I was in law school, I was a lot like really wanting to be, you know, oh, I got to tell people stuff. I, I have to. But the more I've learned over time and, and been around, it's just like, you'll know on a visceral intuitive level when you can change somebody's mind, they kind of will let you know, whether it's mm -hmm. through like the eye contact they give you, their body language, all of it put together, what they've said, whatever it is, you'll know that there's some circumstances where somebody's actually open to listening to you. And those are the ones that you should definitely advocate for sure. But yeah. And someone's going to try to fight you on something, fuck them, screw them. I wouldn't <laughs> talk to them. I'm serious. I am 100% serious because later on, they'll see what happened. And most of the time, they won't actually ever admit that you were right. Do you know how many people ever contact me and say, oh, man, you were so right about Trump? I can't believe that. Yeah. Not very many people. <laughs> and I was open about it early on. I was one of the first 80 people in 2015 working for him. There's still 16 other candidates. Everyone thought I was a lunatic <laughs> and I have a good track record of being able to pick up on stuff like this. And so no one ever says, Hey, Bobcat, man, that was pretty awesome. Congratulations. Something my best, best friends have, but other than that, no, no, nobody will. So, um, don't get too disillusioned though. And I really would encourage you to think a lot about the impact that you're personally making through this podcast. That makes a huge difference. You I get really way appreciate more you saying that. Talking with, uh, you know, a friend, a uh, college roommate, or I don't know if you're in a sorority, a sorority sister, or somebody you knew from here or there, someone at your work. Yeah, you can do that a little bit, but this is really important. You're giving people direction on a lot of different type of topics and introducing them to the type of people that come on here. Uh, it's the kind of people you want to introduce people to. That's part of the persuasion thing, too, is just introducing somebody to a new person, right? Because mm -hmm. then it's not like, oh, commoner told me this. It's like, hey, yeah, commoner showed me this Bobcat guy and I listened to his podcast and he had this guest on and man, that guest, that was so interesting. And then they look into it mm -hmm. and they figure it out on their own. But you gave them the direction. That's why, that's how it works. And not, that doesn't work for everybody, but the people that it will work on, that's like, that's the whole point of it. There are certain people that are able to, figure things out on their own and if you give them a path to show them that then they'll figure it out and then they'll be able to show other people like them figure it out and so on and so forth that's how I think of it yeah and that's a I agree with that and that is a helpful thing to remember and one of the reasons why I started all of this a was to make money b was because I felt that 
I didn't have anything to repost on my Instagram story about politics, whereas every other girl could post a thousand cute floral images of justice for Breonna Taylor or a black square on Instagram or like all of the media. Or, yeah, was or, or Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Or like any, yeah. there's so much content that you can repost on Instagram for liberal purposes. They have all these text images. They have all of these Photoshop. Like the branding is so much better for the liberal side than it is for the conservative side. Like what am I going to post? A black and white bald eagle and say, you know, like it's just so... There's nothing to post. There's no stream. There's no repetition of it. And so I've always wondered why is that the case? And they're definitely trying to make more conservative media now directed at young women. Like the most obvious example is Brett Cooper on Daily Wire. And she's blowing up like she's very enjoyable to listen to. And so that is someone new and entertaining, in my opinion. But there's still a gap. And I think one of the biggest gaps and the gap that I'm most passionate about is these sexual revolution type of topics um, because I don't think women are set up for success in that regard, purposefully so. And it makes me incensed with rage. And so that's sure. what the majority of my videos are about. And if one 16 year old girl finds my videos and changes the way she acts because of that, that is enough success. For yeah, me. that's so big. I can't tell you how big that is. It's funny. I'm, you know, in my mid to late thirties and I could really see my generation of women are the generation that changed. Like mm -hmm. when I grew up, it wasn't like this at all, how it is now. And everything was, you know, boys were boys and girls were girls. And that's how it was in school. And, you know, you were a boy and you could do things and, oh, that's just how boys are. And that's just how girls are. And everyone kind of got along and, everything went along. And even when I was in law school, nothing was crazy. I went to law school in Seattle, Washington. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the most liberal places there is. And in all the, my, my law school is in a very like gay neighborhood. In fact, uh, the preeminent gay neighborhood in all of Seattle. And there wasn't this militant stuff at all. It was more like, oh yeah, people are just doing their thing. Um, and so, yeah, everything has changed. The, speaking to young women, that's very important. And I can understand, well, I like to be able to identify the people that I listen to. So I totally get that. I, it, it seems to probably be harder for, for girls in certain respects on things. Um, especially in this environment, it's terrible on young men. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. I say it's worse, but with, with women sharing and being able to talk openly and things, that's, it's harder because there's that pressure always of like the liberal thing, liberalism. Oh, it's liberal. It's so good. This other stuff's evil and bad. You know, it's a hard framing to overcome that it's just been put in place. That that's what's hard about it. But it's like when you inter intertwined in the people, social interactions for girls in a way that it isn't for boys. Yeah, I think a lot of it probably has to do with the abortion stuff. Yeah, which is always a weird deal, like to be so excited about the ability to murder children. Um, like it's some sort of superpower that you have, like, look at me, I can kill my kids if I want. Wow. That's really awesome. Good for you. you know? <laughs> like very strange. Instead of like, I can, I bring life into this world. You don't, Hey, look at you. You're a man. You, you contribute, but I literally bring life into this world. I'm a very special, unique thing that God created here. What's up with that? Why is there no talk about that? Why is it always, I have this ability to kill and destroy. Very mm -hmm. strange. 
it's literally antithesis of womanhood. Destruction mm-hmm. doesn't isn't a feminine thing to me. I agree entirely. It's a psyop on every level that this is your liberation. This is a signal of your freedom that you have the ability to do this one absolutely heinous thing and you are celebrated every time you do it because for some girls it's multiple times. Like it's just, it's difficult for me to wrap my head around. And the reason why I was thinking about that is because the whatever podcast, I don't know if you're familiar with that one. It's really big on YouTube. It's one guy talking to a bunch yeah, of, I know that. A bunch I know of that. college girls. He had two of the most, the largest pro-life voices on today. And then that destiny guy with the blue hair. And they oh, had a four hour, a de- uh, they had a four hour debate on abortion. That's a dating podcast. That's like the biggest podcast in the world. And they just posted a four hour debate on abortion. That's it wasn't great. very well moderated, but I think that's a net win. You know, if these kind of podcasts start doing things like that, I'm all for it. And when I was in law school, they actually in constitutional laws where you talk about abortion, but the professor said, hey, we're not going to actually cover Roe v. Wade because it's too, it gets too heated. (sighs) I'm like, what? This is in like, you know, 2012, 11 or something. And so I never really got the full debate experience in the law law school setting over this with the women in my class, but that would have been very fun interesting i had a way different opinion probably back then um about it so that's that's good that those things are are being discussed right like i don't know i get sick of hearing it because i've heard it forever but some of these young people they're just hearing it so it's important so I, i you know i i can look at it and say i'm so glad that that's all happening but i don't really like tune in and listen to it because it's just like ah i can't I can't take that. I've, I've talked about that for decades or we've right, talked about that right. for how long, but that's very important. And I think it's good that, I, I, let me ask you, what do you think? Do you feel the energy flipping a little bit among women? Is there a little crack in there where they're at least open to new ideas and maybe not everyone thinks that men are just awful. Like there's some elements of more of the yin and the yang concept that we need to coexist together. And we both have very, important attributes that the other doesn't have that it sort of works in concert as a system to me that's how it is um do you think that that's kind of changing a little bit with some women that are younger um i do actually and the reason why i say that is because my favorite professor from school so i graduated about a year ago he i we became very close in office hours he was a constitutional liberties constitutionalism professor so he was amazing Um, And we would have these discussions and he said, you're not the only girl that's coming to office hours and having these same discussions. Mm -hmm. Sure. And like we're seeing the pendulum swing back a little bit as we speak. And the professor's in a really interesting position because they get to see the 21 year old like a time capsule, like every year. What does the 21 year old look like? And so his opinion I take is very true. And he said, oh, no, we're starting to see a bunch of girls wake up a little bit and say, wait a second. And I think the reason why it's swinging back now is because the top end of the liberated generation is hitting 40. And this is the no go zone. Like, oh, wait a second. And that is a very real example to them. People my age is what you're talking about. And they're aging out of fertility, of marriage. They've had 
tons of fun, as you say, but now they're not having so much fun anymore. And so I think that real example is saying, wait, wait, wait a second. The other thing I'll say is that we're sold this picture of go be a corporate woman, be a boss, babe, go get your bag, honey, queen. I am in the corporate world and I can tell you that I am not reaching my full potential with my nine to five formatting PowerPoint slides. Like right. my intellectual <laughs> capacity is not being reached here either. So I don't think I'm missing out on anything if I were to, you know, recreate life and start the new birth, the birthplace of society in my home rather than format PowerPoint slides for a company I will never see again in six months. Right. Right. Exactly. No, that's so true. That's so true. And um, I think that'll slowly change as time goes on and it'll accelerate in different geographical regions. I think some places will just be like a death trap of like a horrible place like Portland, Oregon, Seattle, Washington, San Francisco, New York City, Chicago. No one wants to go to those hell holes, but <laughs> more rural Idaho or uh, where I am right now or somewhere in uh, Montana or this place or that place, then these communities are different and the young women are different there and the young men are different there and life will carry on and change. And in these areas, you know, t t I don't listen to Tim Pool at all anymore. I just don't, but I, not because I dislike him. I just, I couldn't take that show anymore, but he would always yeah. make the point that the, these, the enemy will kill itself because they murder their own children yeah. and they have no, no kids. And the only way they'll survive is if they can trick your kids in school and teach them to be against you. But as long as you have control of your kids in the educational setting and uh, you're reproducing and they aren't, they'll literally all die off. That's just a fact. There's no other way around it. So I, I, I don't normally revel in uh, morbid topics like that too much, but I actually smile when I say that. I'm like, oh, that's great. You know, good. Because it's a disease, it's a cancer. It needs to be gone from this larger body that we all are in, in, inhabiting here, uh, this political body. It needs to be purged, gone forever. So, yeah, I think that movement is sort of on its on its last legs. And everything of the last four years is brought to you by feminism. People try to tell you it's not what it all is. Oh, safe on, you know, we don't like the police. We don't like this. All of these things, everything. that It was all the feminine energy coming out the whole time. And I mean, toxic feminine, over the top feminine energy that's not balanced by any masculinity mm. and all these kind of decisions. I'm scared. I'm putting a mask on my face. Let's all hide inside. Let's not keep kids in school. All that. That's all women. You know, <laughs> like, sorry, <laughs> energy too, but this is a female type energy in the women that you're talking about is controlling stuff. So it's good to hear that from the POV of this professor that I like how the time capsule component, that is right. They get this fresh 21-year-old stock every year and they get to see. So if that is in fact true, that's great. I just mm -hmm. think in law school, especially, you can know this, and in other uh, formats like this, it's true. Men just have an easier time speaking up, especially because, I, I don't know, for me, I don't, I don't really ever give a shit what people think about me, especially if I'm in debating something. Like before I raise my hand, I don't go, oh, man, if I say this, you know, Susie's in the back row. I kind of like her. Maybe she won't like me or, oh, Tim, I don't know if they'll like what I say. I'm just like, whatever. I'm going to say what I say. Mm -hmm. I sometimes think women are more hesitant. Totally. To, especially in front of other girls. That's what I think it is. And so the minute it goes from it accelerates from them showing up to office hours to them 
saying, you know what? In office hours, they raise their hand in class and say, yesterday we, I was talking about this was so-and-so and then get into it in front of mm -hmm. everybody else. That's when you know it's like moving forward when it's come to the actual, hey, here's the deal. So I'd be very heartened to see women taking more of that role in a variety of respects. And I think you can already see it, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I can say from being in a classroom, it just depended on the classroom if you wanted to raise your hand or not. In that professor's classroom, I absolutely would because he was based and lit and it was a super fun debate in every class. In other classes, it wasn't worth it. And it was just about getting a grade and getting out of there. So yeah, the professor sets the tone. Did you like school? I loved real classes. I often found, and I went to like a pretty darn good school and it wasn't that hard, a lot of it. And not because I'm a genius, yeah. but because they have just really inflated it. And yeah. I found the more challenging classes to be the more fascinating ones. Totally. What was your favorite class? Um, constitutionalism. So I majored in econ and applied math. And then I kind of finished the classes that I need. So then I would just take fun classes. Econ's, so I started... Econ's fun. I like econ. People shit on I, it. Bull will say like people aren't way. rational. It makes you think. So the econ really changed me. I, I did a double major in economics and uh, finance. And then I went to law school later. But econ really changed the way I think a lot. I mean, I think naturally I kind of had that line of thought, but always focusing on the marginal utility and just mm -hmm. different things. Econ was very, very important to me. I, I, I liked that class a lot. And I, law, I had so much fun in law school. For anyone mm. that wants to go to law school, don't. But <laughs> um, no, I, there are actually a lot of cool areas now where you could be in law and do fun stuff. And we need great lawyers that aren't uh, members of Team Satan. But um, <laughs> it was a great experience to learn about more about yourself in the world and just uncover things. And I can't tell you, I was so proud when I, had to take the oath and be sworn in and become an officer of the court, right? And that's one of the main reasons why I got into politics because I'm sitting there going, wait a second, I, I swore an oath to all this stuff. I got to do something about this. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's how that all kind of came, came about. I would love to just go to law school if I had no other responsibilities and could just debate this stuff all day. I would find that so enjoyable, but I don't yeah, think I'm ready to take out $400,000 in law I don't to think do there's really much of a debate commoner that's the thing oh debate going on so I, I i don't think that i don't think people understand how much the, the professions have been invaded by all this mm -hmm. but they've taken to making things easy the bar exam and getting into law school all that's so easy now if you're not a white man too basically if anything but that you can get in no problem mm. so i don't think there would be much to really even debate and a lot of the people aren't very sophisticated in there anymore you have enjoyed debating with i think they've got a lot of trash coming into the schools yeah yeah i mean i'm trying to remember back to that one class i actually have a friend who got into harvard law school recently and she said no actually she went to a different one but she was concerned that it was going to be too left too intense oh, yeah too not even too intense but just like the environment would have been soul-sucking and crushing so she went to a different one even though that's arguably the you, best one right so on this topic here's an interesting story about how i realized that i was quote more conservative my family wasn't political at all 
my dad, I would ask him as a kid, hey, dad, who are you voting for this time around? He'd say, Bobcat, you know, I could tell you, but I think you should go figure it out on your own. And then you decide on who to vote for, which mm-hmm. some say is great. I think there's a lot of good stuff to it. But at the same time, it would have been nice to get a little direction. But mm-hmm. I, there's nothing wrong with that. But anyhow, so I'm in law school, probably my second or third year, sitting outside the law library studying big group of people out there and the topic comes up of hey is there anyone who's conservative in our class hey who's even conservative here i told you it's a liberal area seattle uh and then it goes one person and they go oh bobcat is and here i i went i'm from the pacific northwest group in liberal areas again my family's not political so my natural reaction is to be guarded against being called conservative so i said I'm not conservative. Like I leaned around the corner and said, I'm not conservative. I actually voted for Obama. That was my literal quote. I think back to that time a lot because little did I know that what I was saying wasn't in fact true at all. I was conservative and they were picking up on it and they knew it. And I wasn't being openly political in class. I, I was talking about concepts in the law and the way that I approached them and I argued things is conservative. And so that, that's how I knew which is funny, right? Like, yeah. I never went around saying, oh, I'm conservative, I'm this and that. But I just started learning about all these things. And my intuition took me in one direction. And that's the direction it took me in. Yeah, I totally agree that you can tell someone's political leanings by what they say in these types of discussions, even oh, if yeah. it is not a clear political issue, you can completely tell with how they answer the question even like what they emphasize and all those, like if they emphasize, you know, differences and starting points, victimhood, race, if they emphasize any of those things, you already know exactly what you're you're dealing with. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. I wonder what it's going to be like. I I talked to this professor frequently, so I'll check back in with him, see how it's going in a couple of years, see what he says about the state of the youth then, but it's really a fascinating thing. Um, I want to move on to some of the other topics that you are involved in because we have, Uh, yeah. yeah, So I want to move on to, would you rather start with the early days of the jungle or your assistance with the the resumes? Let's start start with the jungle and then we can end on resumes. That'll be cool. So how did you stumble upon this little corner of the internet? So I stumbled upon the jungle through Cernovich. Again, I, I had been following him since probably 2013. 14 or 14 you know on on twitter and i worked in politics obviously we talked about that and um i've always been on twitter it's my place and so i noticed cerno posting about the bowtie jungle and if i see something that's cool and i want to do it i'll just do it so i said this is going to be kind of a big deal i've already been involved in cryptocurrency and everything and following all this stuff and so i immediately went looked into it a little bit. I had known of Wall Street Playboys, but I wasn't a, you know, original like acolyte uh, uh, guy from back in the day of knowing about Wall Street Playboys. But I made a name as fast as I could. I made Bowtie Bobcat. That was available. And that was in May of um, 2021. It feels like a long time ago. And then we just kind of started everybody talking and getting to know each other in the very early days. Like, um, I forget exactly when everybody came on like and I never mean to like say oh you weren't here first type of thing ever but you've been around for quite a while too Mm. um this was like super early right so like ox was brand new everyone was brand new 
and it was just all new and it was the energy was totally different it felt like um it felt more like when i worked on the all the trump stuff and it had that like guerrilla warfare early energy to it now it doesn't have that but it did in the beginning and there was um we used to be on discord all the time we would literally have these discord chats there's a guy Mm -hmm. shout out to him if he's listening he might still be in the jungle, by the way, and I have theories. But Bowtied Markor, we used to have these things called smoke seshes on Discord voice. And we would all sit in there. And there was one actual smoke sesh where Markor and I literally stayed in there like this Mario Noir guy. Everyone's saying, oh, he was in the spaces for 24 hours. Well, we did that, literally. We, we mm. had space, a thing that went on for 24 plus hours. And people would just pop in and out. And we were all bullshitting, talking about politics, cryptocurrency, this, that, fitness, conspiracy theories, everything. And it was sort of like everyone was just getting to know each other, you know. And the jungle's been through a bunch of different phases, I guess. But a lot of it, everything's happened in the world during this time. So some people were in it and kind of got shaken out of it for other reasons, right? But there's still a great number of people here. And then there's been a bunch of new people too. Yeah, I totally agree that the beginning was the community aspect was more important at the beginning. And I think that's because there were fewer accounts for sure. And also because everyone had fewer followers. So it was a little bit less like you were shouting at a big audience base. You had like for a year, I had 200 followers, like literally a year. So it was just a completely different environment. The same people were always commenting on my stuff. It was more like you were on your college group chat in a Twitter list or something like that. Like it was a very different experience. The discords were super funny. I would just pop in and listen. I think once you had some big accounts really pop off and start to make some money, the whole vibe changed. Totally. Yeah. You know, it's early on. So I had two accounts in the jungle. <laughs> this is my original account, Bowtied Bobcat. Uh, I had another account, Bowtied Redacted. that was recently suspended. It uh, helped with resumes, which I still currently do. But um, it, yes, it is different with the increase in the size of the followings and things. There's, I do most of my interaction in the jungle now in uh, really in DMs with yeah. people one-on-one, which I already did always from the beginning. Um, but, I, and also there still is a steady source, is a steady source of people coming in that are new. And to me, those are the most fun people to interact with. Some people might find it frustrating if somebody's like new and they don't know this or that, but I, I like it because it's like, look, this person stumbled across this like do you want to be a dick and not uh, mm. out or do you want to take your head out of your ass for five minutes and enough with the probably nothing all the redacted all that that's funny and stuff and that's great i get it and i laugh at it too but sometimes you need to like do a little something and help somebody because when you help someone that's fresh and new that makes a huge impact and they it's like they can spread it so far and help other people so i still find that onboarding sort of for lack of a better word helping people with that are new to me that's the most important thing because if we're not actually doing that then really what are we doing sitting mm-hmm. around in some masturbatory exercise about how great we are that's mm-hmm. stupid to actually help people is important and there's a filtration process i get it but 
people have jumped through a lot of hoops already if they finding you on this side of Twitter. Totally. You know, like it's not like there's some random person. They they've made their way to you. So try to help them out a little bit. If if it turns out they they're not the person or it's a wasted effort, that's fine. Don't do it. But I think that stuff's important. And there are a lot of people who do that still. And people that you might not know. Um, not that you might not know them, but might not know that they do that, do do that. And I, I would encourage anybody to always just, if you have the inclination or the feeling that you want to reach out to somebody, just do it. Just do it. Say, hey, what's up? Here's my name. Uh, I, I like this that you do. I think it's great. Um, and if you have a specific question or something, you can ask it. Some people are dicks and they're going to help you and screw those people. But other people will help you. There are a lot of very, very, very helpful people. And through running the bowtie resumes and all of this stuff i've met hundreds and hundreds of people so i have a really neat rolodex of people that in great individuals that i've gotten to know here in the jungle and i'm very thankful for that but all that comes from not just sitting and reading you got you you take action and interact with people and like that's how you and i are talking right absolutely you just have to reach out so that that's important to me i want to wish i could bring back some of that those early vibes of being in discord and just BSing and, and maybe that somehow we can do that to a degree but it's important for me I kind of I don't know I it's not like we're on some big team and we all have to coordinate that's why I like it because it isn't like that but on a grander scale I feel like you do need to coordinate's not the right term but support the network is really the way I look at it I completely agree with the fact if you are already reading the jungle and you're interacting, maybe you're subscribed to a few sub stacks, you listen to the podcast, like you, whatever, make an account and interact so that we can start to see your name. Right, you know? exactly. Like if you're already reading it, there's no reason to not make an account. It doesn't need to be a bow tied account, but exactly. and then interact and you will learn a lot more when you interact. I have a thousand percent i will comment under bow digester bow tied opossum ox tetra like oh that's interesting i did x y and z had this result why do you think that was the case and i'll get a great response back that may lead to a dm interaction where they send me a resource or they give me this thing or they explain something in more detail like there is no reason to not interact and if you the only thing that would be a reason not to interact is if you reply guy things and Ox kicks you off the internet, essentially, with shame. But I think you can avoid doing that with a little bit of common sense. But other than that, there is no reason to not make an account. Uh, totally. And that's how that's kind of why when I originally when I was thinking, oh, man, what can I do to make money in here? It just came to me like I'm like, oh, I can do resumes. Look, I, I'm not some formal resume. I was laughing the other day. People actually have credentials for being like a certified <laughs> resume writer. I'm not a certified resume writer. I didn't work for a resume company. I've written resumes for myself. I'm a lawyer and I'm a good fucking writer. So I know mm -hmm. how to write. And I really doing resumes is basically just like arguing on behalf of a client. You're just putting them in the best light possible in a way that's right. easy for somebody to read and clear. And that's why I like what I do because I help people. And then they help me. And, and when I'm doing what I'm doing every day, working on somebody trying to help them get a job, it's like, I feel good about it. It's, it's great. Um, and there are just tons of really nice people in the jungle. You sort of have to uncover them. I would say for anybody listening, please, I always am open. My DMs are always open. 
send me a good joke. Send me a, send me a meme. Send me anything. I, honestly, I like because you never know who you're going to connect with. You guys are really going to hit it off. Mm-hmm. And I, I've had yeah. some friendships in this in, that I would never have had otherwise. Bowtie Turkey, I love you, bro. I know you probably listen to this. And I've known him for two years now. You know, I've spoken to him for hundreds, hundreds of hours. I should show you the Discord log mm-hmm. of our, our conversations together. There are other people I talk to a lot in the same. I'm not going to name every person here, but those are relationships I wouldn't have had otherwise. And they're not just some relationship of us making memes on Twitter. It's bigger yes. than that. And it's a, it's now a friendship. And that's the way the world works, right? Like we are on it's uh, the world is flat or so Thomas Friedman said mm-hmm. a long, long time ago. Right. Like we're on the Internet and that's how you make friends. So don't do yourself a disservice by not um, doing so. And your point is well taken about you don't need to make a bow tie handle. I'd encourage people. I wouldn't say don't do it, but do it if you really want to. It's cool to have until you really know that's what you want to do, whatever. But have any other handle and just get involved and start meeting people. Because you never know what's going to come of it. And mm-hmm. don't think you need to buy into some thing. You need to swear an oath to something. If you are in, even in the jungle, that means that you like every bowtie person. No, there's a lot of people that I think suck and I mm-hmm. dislike. But that doesn't mean that I don't like the jungle. That's stupid. There are a lot of uh, people in a lot of things that I'm involved with intimately that I think suck and are stupid. But I'm still involved in it. So find the good eggs in, among everybody and there's untold amounts of, of wealth of information and wealth underneath it all to be had if you just have a little bit of curiosity and don't be afraid to put things out there i think the biggest thing that i noticed like i just started doing the resumes thing mm-hmm. right i just did it i didn't wait till i had a website i didn't wait till everything was fancy i didn't do any of that stuff i just did it and it's the early iteration of it was okay. I started the account right after I did Bobcats over two years ago, but it wasn't until maybe about a year ago. Here I'll shout somebody else out. Bowtied White Bat and I talked a ton in DMs, and he, I love that guy, and he's basically just like, "Why aren't you doing this?" And I said, "You know, you're right. Like I should actually just do it a little more." And so I did, and. I don't really, I basically advertise through Twitter and I've started to make a very nice income just by doing resumes for people. Mm -hmm. And it's very fulfilling. So that all came from me just putting myself out there and becoming involved with people. Yes, I completely agree with that. And I think one of the reasons why the jungle has had such an impact and the community, even though it's not as strong as perhaps when it first started, like this is a hyper-selected group of people. You have to, to find this corner of the internet, you have to be a little bit unhinged. Just a little bit, like a good amount of unhinged. You probably kind of conservative. <laughs> you have to be open-minded enough to make an anonymous cartoon Twitter account. You have to be open enough to admit where you don't know things. You have to say, yeah, That's I don't know how thing. to do any e-com. I don't know what SEO is. I've never had a YouTube channel. Like when I think back to what I did and when I made my account, like completely bonkers, unhinged activity from the outside looking in a thousand percent. And I don't regret a goddamn second. So yeah, I think that it's thing. really interesting that yeah. you found all of these people and you can interact with them in a way that you can't interact with people in the real world because they're not hyper selected like this. 
So well, <laughs> it's, you're going to find connection through, with people here. And I think it helped me get through the last few years. I totally agree. I totally agree. Stuff. I had talked to Turkey all the time, just and, and other people too. And just be focused on new ideas and things outside of politics. It's really helped me get through everything. There are a lot of people that value the jungle. And I know because through the emails that I get and the DMs about, hey, can you help me with X, Y, or Z? There mostly is always some kind of story about, hey, because this is how I found you, right? <laughs> you don't just, you find my account. And even my now the account, Bowtie Bobcat, it's not really even 100% clear that it's, it's a service. I mean, it is, it, you can tell, right? But the people that do reach out have kind of already gone through a bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. And that was something that was kind of interesting to me too, was how easy it is to do business versus like uh, how I thought it might be. But someone will say, hey, I need my resume done. And I'll say, that sounds good. And I respond with this sort of small thing, usually a couple questions and a few statements that I make. And then I always send a meme along with it. No <laughs> joke. I always send a gif of Pepe, uh, with the uh, tux on drink and, and winking at people. And that's what I do. And then they'll go early on. I only did crypto. So I was getting paid 95% in ETH. And mm. then they'll be like, what's your ETH address, bro? And that would be it. And I'm like, wow, this is like pretty sweet. This is how you make some dough. <laughs> so all that came from just now I'm more formal in things, but that came from just being open-minded. And for me, my, the real thing for me with that was listening to white bat on some of the stuff. Now, some of the shit that I, I don't do anymore, like I don't do any YouTube videos and stuff, but he was like, do this, do that, do this, do that. And I just did it. I didn't overanalyze it. That's yeah. the biggest thing for me. And I, I, you know, it's a, I'm a pretty smart guy and I'm a lawyer and I think I actually do better than some of my counterparts in this respect where I have this kind of thing where I'll just do stuff. Like, I don't care. I'll just, I'm doing it. I don't know. Maybe it's like the poker player in me where I'm like, I'm all in. That's yeah. just how, how I am. And if it fails, then it fails. So, but that's kind of the thing. It's like, don't be afraid to get in a car wreck. Uh, you know, the airbag will save your life. Don't worry about it. Like drive fast, do something, take a risk. That's yeah. what's been the most helpful. And don't overthink because you could have sat around you personally, Miss Bowtie Commoner. Mm -hmm. Going, man, I really should do this podcast. Uh, and then one month goes by, two months go by. Three. Totally. Pretty soon somebody else would have had the, the Jungle Podcast. You know, actually, there was an original Jungle Podcast. It was called Degen Jungles, true story. Bowtied Ox and Bowtied Platy, now known as uh, Redacted. <laughs> and uh, I was the first guest on it. Actually, there was a, a old Jungle Podcast. I went to find it the other day. But they took my episode down. I'm not sure why. But there's still a couple other episodes up. But I say that only because I'm. We're talking about someone else would have started one. So I'm mm -hmm. glad that you did do it. And now you have so much, so many reps in, and you've had so many guests that you're the podcast. It's yours. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And uh, to build off of that, I mean, I offhandedly commented, "Oh, I should do a podcast." Underneath one of my own tweets, and Jester DM'd me because he saw that and he said, "You should absolutely do this. Start today." And that's yeah, exactly. what I did. And if, if yep. he hadn't DM me that, I probably never would have started because I'm like, that's so outrageous and audacious to think that someone's going to listen to me talk for two hours. Like, really I don't, I thought? need to build up a following for that. Like, you make excuses in the, the jungle eliminates. People, people wouldn't listen to you? Yeah, totally. It's, that was just some internal self doubt. Yeah. I mean, it's just but like, now everyone preposterous. Listens. 
I was telling this with some another bow tie yesterday or two days ago. I had a nice conversation with, with uh, somebody uh, and basically they're doing some really awesome stuff. And I'm like, bro, what's the deal? Like you need to release something like go like put, put X, Y, or Z out. And um, we were kind of having the same kind of conversation and I can understand that the, the Dunning Kruger doubting yourself, but at the end of the day, even if I put something out, and this is always in the back of my mind, I said, even if I failed miserably and it's the worst thing of all time, what's the big deal? Yeah. My name's Bowtie fucking Bobcat. Exactly. <laughs> times with my picture in there and uh, Anderson Cooper's going to be talking about me on CNN. <laughs> no one's going to know. So who cares? Yeah. Who cares? You know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And that's, that's how people end up doing well is they don't care. You need that, like, I don't give a fuck energy, too. Because if you mm-hmm. don't, then you don't. And then you're, like, impervious to any of this other stuff that can uh, impact weaker uh, mortals. Once you get <laughs> to the point of not caring, that's the best point to be at. Totally. And Ox would call it, you need a delusional self-belief that it will work at the same time. Like, you have to have self-confidence that you can make a good effort at it. It still may not work. And if it doesn't work, who cares? You'll do something else. But there yeah. is some sort of self-belief and self-confidence that you do need to at least be audacious enough to try. And the jungle reinforces and encourages that because there's a bunch of people out doing it all the time. Totally. And there, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of people with that energy. In fact, that is the energy of the jungle. That's the energy all the, this is why I was attracted to jungles. The same reason I was attracted to Donald Trump's campaign. It's a lot of it is sort of like, they don't have this anymore, but there's like a punk rock energy, like, you know, to it, like, mm-hmm. Hey, you're telling me what to do. Fuck you. No, you're not going to tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. I'm my own boss. Excuse me, Mr. Guy in a suit and tie. I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to listen to myself, bowtied Bobcat, not mm-hmm. to, you know, bowtied asshole. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, that that's, the energy that that I like and I was very attracted to and that energy needs to keep making its way through everything it's important so hopefully when people hear all the different podcasts you have so many different varieties that something will occur to them and say man maybe that's a cool angle or maybe that's a great angle mm-hmm. and you don't always need to think so big from the start I mean I guess you can sometimes it's more of like the way I think isn't necessarily like I see this huge vision about how it can be. I guess I do see that, but it's more like, oh, I think something could come out of this. And it's like a feeling more. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to chase the feeling and we'll see what happens. And almost whatever the results are, you just do it. And th- that's what happened with the jungle. And that's what happened with my resume stuff, which is pretty cool. Totally. I think one of the most important things I've learned, okay, two things I've learned huge. So number one is I'm just a really risk averse person naturally. And so if I was going to say, I'm going to start a business or I'm going to start a YouTube channel, originally I would have planned out my work plan and said, I'm going to have by this week, this deliverable, I'm going to do this on Tuesday, this on Wednesday. And in seven Thursdays, I'll post my sixth video that went out the door pretty fast. Now make a fucking TikTok, you know, like just get something out there and see if it works. Like you're, you're overthinking this, you're over planning this, you have no idea what you're going to learn. Just make the goddamn thing. So that has been the number one shift. The second shift 
that I have learned and Brosiden said this really well on my previous podcast is that you can do all this testing, all this learning, all of this knowledge, all of this is 80% marketing. It's how you yes. sell it. It's how you interact with people. Like that's just business yes. in general. It's 80% of it is the sell. And so that has been a huge learning that I did not take away from college, from my nine to five. And it's absolutely the case. It's true. What's what's funny about the the resumes and the Bobcat stuff is like, yeah, I there's a lot of resume alpha and I talk about that, but really, actually, what I think helps me the most is memes and joking and like mm-hmm. the way I interact with people. That's where I get business. And I've I said that to some other people, and they're like, ah, "Are you sure?" And I said, "Yeah, just seriously, you know, I won't get specific, but try this out, and you can see other accounts now." Are, doing more things with memes and trying to be funny and just having a personality that that's what it's about. There's so much bullshit going on all the time in the world that if someone can scroll down in a timeline and you can make them laugh and smile, then you've really done something pretty, pretty splendid actually, mm-hmm. because when you're scrolling through, depending on how much someone's curated their timeline. And I really encourage people to do it very well, but if they're going down a timeline and some bunch of bullshit, and then all of a sudden it's a <laughs> hilarious video from Bowtide Commoner, that's awesome because that can like actually change somebody's day. I don't think people think of it this way, but mm-hmm. when you make somebody laugh and smile and learn, that's a big gift you're giving them. So they're going to mm-hmm. have a ton of goodwill toward you and your brand and therefore want to, you know, interact with you and buy your services and products and all that stuff. It's And it's not being fake or anything because that's how I am. I'm a jokester, a prankster. I was always like kind of smart class clown kind of guy. Like I like being like that. So when I'm doing that, that's, that's just who I am. So I actually get to market in the way I do and everything. And then with Bowtide, uh, previous account, Bowtide Redacted, where, you know, I'm still doing resumes. Like, look, what was that profile picture? It was Pepe with a resume. So people were like, what's up with that? But people are fucking dumb. What they don't realize is that everyone who contacts me knows exactly what that is. So they know it. it's like putting up the bat signal. So then they come to me and my clientele is my clientele. I'm not going to get some jackass to send me a message and be like, uh, yeah, you know, I really like you to do my resume, but your thing was really problematic. No, that's not going to happen. It's going to be someone that was like, yeah, dude, let's go. So right. be yourself and, and put yourself out there and they'll come find you. We started with that. Like people find the jungle, right? So you need to give them something to find. Mm. That's very well put. Give them something to find. Everything you make is an asset. Every tweet is an asset, every video, every article. And because of how the jungle is all these interconnected nodes, each article is like one pinpoint on that web. And someone could find you through that article. They could find someone else in the jungle through that article that you've written. So it's you're planting seeds that you're never going to see the full impact of, which is kind 100%. of hundred uh, percent. It, it's so true. And I think about all of the stuff, think about all of the people, she's you for an example. So all of the people who are your age, who are now listening to what you have to say about the topics that you care about, and then you're showing them other podcasts and they're getting more and then they're telling their friends and then it's going to go down to the younger girls. And all of a sudden, like it starts to go make its way through the system just because you're pointing it out. That's mm-hmm. very, that's a big thing. I don't think people know that. Yeah, I think the the real impact of what you do 
you really feel it when you get the personal messages from people. And I've had mm-hmm. high school kids, college kids, not a lot of girls, actually, just mainly men. I think that's because it's the jungle is <laughs> hyper selected. I won't I won't comment more on that. But I'm going to make a fake account as a girl. I'll send you some <laughs> to make you feel better. <laughs> actually, my uh, LinkedIn account's a chick. I'll send you some messages. <laughs> but um, and those are the best messages when they say I started my account because I listened to one of your podcasts or I started my account because you were really honest about starting in college and how hard it was. And I want to give it a go. And like, that's amazing. Like that is truly spectacular. So 100%, 100%. I, I think the next would be, it'll be interesting to see, but over the next four years, how, how the jungle moves, you know, it's been yeah. two over two years now. That's a long time. It is. It, and the, the growth is starting to really pick up for some people. And like, I think knobs is, I don't want to say how much they're selling, but it's incredible how much they're selling. And that's just one business that's really popping off obviously ox too but um there's going to be so many more like that now and the engine is just starting to rev up so i think the next three or four years is going to be people are going to look back and be like god damn it i should have made a fucking pepe with a bow tie on it i know years ago should have bought some bitcoin and should have bought some bitcoin become an animal the cartoon animal yeah It's, it's very true the energy on the campaign trail next year Cryptocurrency is going to be a huge part of it. I think people really don't understand. Yes, it's not going to be every night. They're not going to be on CNN going on and on about the intricacies of Bitcoin. That's not what I'm getting at. I mean that it's going to be a very intense underlying motivating factor for really the base group that the Democrats need, which is, Mm. sorry to offend anyone out here, but the cucky, nerdy, Ethereum type guys and that's just true not all of them and i'm not saying it in a bad way okay but those people are the ones that are primarily democratic voters there was an actual poll that was run i forget who ran it i thought about it the other day because i knew i was going to be on here and it was are you like republican or a democrat are you bitcoin or an eth maxi I'll, i'll go back and find this and the point of it is that all the the Democrats are ETH maxis versus the Republicans or conservatives are Bitcoin maxis. Well, what makes sense on a generational level because the cypherpunks are more generation X mm-hmm. and all that and new stuff is Ethereum. But what's going to happen is those new kids are, number one, they're actually learning there is a thing called masculinity. They weren't taught what it was. And then the second thing is they're going to, they're starting to uncover all this sinister bullshit that goes on with the system and everything that's rigged against them. So they might not come out and be a Chad and wear a MAGA hat and do all this stuff. Believe me, when they go into that voting booth, they're not going to vote for someone who wants to shut down their literal industry and uh, their ability to pay for their anime and things like that. Okay. I'm sorry. (laughs) They're going to vote for their pocketbook. So that's my opinion on how how that's going to be. It's not going to be the only issue. I try to think of things in that way. Like who's the really like marginal breakoff group that you could get? Who is it? You know, are you going to get suburban women? Yeah. I'll be, you know, I'll, I'll be waiting for that for the next 300 years. I'm not going to count on women to do it. I'm sorry. I'm not. Okay. It's going to be for the men that break off and decide, you know, this is enough of this bullshit. We, we don't even need to believe in all these other things that quote conservatives do. We just don't want the government up my ass every day telling me what to do. 
right? Like, <laughs> totally. So the minute that that becomes something that they can understand on a visceral level, then it's done. It's fucking over. The other side doesn't, they have no idea. They've already stirred up all these other things, deep feelings in young men, I think, that are they're kind of figuring out a little bit amongst the haze of propaganda and all the other shit that goes on. But when they now go, oh, yeah, in addition to all that other stuff, you're a racist, you're this, you're all men are rapists, all men are evil, all that. On top of all that, you're actually, and you're a Nazi, but on top of all that, this whole uh, thing you've been working on for the last 10 years, you're a tax cheat and you're a bum and screw you. We're going to throw you in jail and cripple your industry. Oh, yeah, we're really going to vote for the Democrats after that. Nice yeah. fucking try. What they're yeah. going to do, you, you have to make sure that you're not going to let them steal it. Everyone who's a political person knows Scott Pressler, uh, Republican guy, get out the vote. You need to really get the effort going. That's what they need to do. Uh, that That's what they need to be spending their time on. But the the person who the the average person in the jungle is not a bow tie or is not a uh, bow tied Biden guy. Uh, you know, they're not. It's just not that way. And the new energy is going to be uh just different did you see speaking of which i'm sure you did did you see the bobby kennedy photos yesterday of him lifting yep wait yep yeah okay so tell me this it's just no way i'm sorry i just don't see uh us going down in defeat i just don't see it (laughs) from all the angles because what what is it now kennedy's out shirtless lifting weights biden's like i don't know what he's doing today uh, he's probably on his 169th milligram of Adderall or something. He fell asleep in his fruit loops. changed his diaper for the third time or whatever, right? That guy's out there lifting weights uh, and he's giving the Bitcoin talks. I'm telling you, the crypto thing's going to be a way bigger deal than people even think. It, it just is. I'm sorry. There's places outside of America too, you know, like there are other things that go on in the world than uh, what they tell you on CNN. So, Yeah. I, we kind of went down a little bit of a thing there, but yeah. uh, that's that's how I feel. I feel very positive about, and that's why I like is a rule of thumb for me in the jungle is to always give someone the benefit of the doubt, especially if I don't know them really, to try to help them because if you can bring them into the system and and figure out what their story is, they have can have something to offer to this larger battle that we're fighting, and that's what I see for me is to try to connect and, and bring people on board because you never know. Everybody has a, a little bit of an extra marginal benefit. They're going to add to the scenario that eventually breaks the enemy's back. So unless you actually onboard people and, and bring, introduce people and everything with kindness and yeah, it's good to be sarcastic and make jokes. And I love doing all that, believe me, but I I've learned sometimes with newer people that may not be able to handle it. Like, try to help them a little bit Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think you have to believe like those little actions that you are making are impactful because they are it's difficult to see from your vantage point in a lot of times especially if you're starting out and you've got not a ton of followers it feels like you're shouting into the void or you're trying to talk to someone who refuses to, to listen to your point of view you're the only conservative girl in your class like all those types of things but you have to believe that your actions are impactful in the grand scheme of things. You have to believe that you and your little one woman revolution to not get the vaccine 
to write four different letters to your university and your first job and be on Zoom for training and all that little stupid revolution <laughs> for one girl was going to have an impact in some way and is worth doing. 100%. And you, it, does have an, it does have an impact. Absolutely. Yeah. The COVID shit was out of control. That, that's a whole other... <laughs> that's like a six-hour conversation. But I, I'm shocked that people... I really, really, truly, I, I think I was taken aback by the compliance in, in humans because I'm not compliant. In my natural, like I'm saying, my natural energy is more of a punk rock. Not, you know so much that but more of like fuck you you know like i'm gonna do whatever i like and right. i don't i'm sure you're familiar with the chaotic good chaotic evil that the whole are you familiar with that stuff at all totally totally yeah i whenever i take that test i'm chaotic good like i always mm -hmm. like freedom and individual freedom and the thing i hate the most is when people tell other people what to do and how to think that's mm -hmm. like to me the biggest sin you can do is 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 do that like so that's important to me. And that's the kind of energy that I think the jungle is chaotic, good. And all of these things that we're doing is that's our energy and what we're, we're bringing, bringing, I don't think people realize how much of an impact all this has all of our different accounts. It's, it's becoming pretty well known. I agree actually. And I think bigger, like real people accounts are starting to interact with it more. And the, the overall total number of followers is growing, but also impressions as we start to make contact on other platforms besides Twitter like it's just ramping up and up and up and up and if you are listening to this I don't think you're going to want to miss out I really don't I agree yeah if you're if you're sitting there wondering what what I should do don't even just do it yeah <laughs> that's the thing at yeah. the very least I think here's a, I thought about this a little bit I think at the very least what somebody could do when they come in Make a GM good morning tweet every day. Mm -hmm. And then if you like other people, say when they have theirs, say GM. Hey, commoner, GM. By the <laughs> way, I listened to your podcast with Josh Lysak the other day. I thought that was fascinating how we talked about whatever. What, you know, something small, right? Adds so value. You're doing something. And then as time goes on, just do something different. Yeah. Add a little bit to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, this has been an absolutely insightful conversation. Talked about a bunch of things I wasn't anticipating, but for those what who are listening, <laughs> <laughs> um, for those who are listening, where would you like to direct them right now? I would say on twitter.com at Bowtie Bobcat. That's where I'm at. And I, my real expertise, if I had to say, I know I spoke about politics and all that, and I love all that stuff. It's great. But what I can do to help people is if you're looking for a job and you're struggling with your putting your resume together, I'm here to help. I've helped over 500 people doing it. I really am a very good writer. And really, the what, everything about it is you're just, I'm arguing on behalf of a person. I'm pr presenting them in the best light to an employer. And sometimes it's hard for other people to write about themselves. So when you have somebody doing it on your behalf, it just makes things easier. So if you're looking for that kind of help, that, that's what I do. I, I post threads and things like that as well. But I'm going to expand over time. I had another account. Got, uh, it got nuked. It's KIA, but I'm, I'm still here. So at Bowtie Bobcat. 
Absolutely. And I've heard so many good things. So many people have had success in getting new jobs with the help of Bobcat. So if you are looking for a job or if you're thinking about getting a new job when the economy recovers in 10 years, you can talk to Bobcat now and get ready for that. <laughs> so exactly. thank you so much for coming on. Such a fun conversation and have a great rest of your day, Mr. Bobcat. Thanks, Commoner. You too. Thank you so much for listening. This has been yet another episode of Common Sense. If you liked the conversation, please consider hitting that follow button on Spotify. Oh, and tell everyone you've ever met to do the same. And while you're feeling generous, why not subscribe to my YouTube channel? I promise I've ridiculed at least one of the identity groups you dislike. You have a great day now.